right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Legally Bond podcast. I am your summer substitute host, Andy Bobrek. Great to be with you all again here today. As you may recall, we are in the second phase of our summer series. The first phase was our summer fun series. And now we're in the back to school phase of our summer series. And it's my great pleasure to welcome one of my partners and colleagues, uh, Rick Everard. Uh, Rick works in our uh, Overland Park, Kansas office. Uh, he also serves on our firm's management committee. Uh, and it's just an all around great guy who I have enjoyed very much getting to know over the years and working with as well. So Rick, uh, great to have you with us today. Uh, again, have you here as part of our back to school series. Uh, I think folks listening to the podcast would be interested to hear about uh, your background, how it is you came to work at Bond and to learn a little bit about your practice. Andy, thanks a lot. It's it's a great pleasure to be here. And I'm sorry I wasn't included in the fun series, although back to school, I think for many is fun. So Andy, my our practice out here in Overland Park is devoted solely to uh, representing colleges and universities in athletics matters. Uh, you know, our, our longtime partner, Mike Glazier, and I got involved in this back in the uh, early 90s when uh, we joined Bond. And we started and really thought that maybe for about three or four years, we'd be able to sustain a practice related to uh, helping schools navigate the waters of the NCAA manual. It's more of an administrative law uh, practice. Um, we don't go to court on behalf of either the institution or the NCAA. Uh, what we try to do is work within their administrative processes. And after about four or five years, we thought we'd probably not have any more clients because all the schools would understand how to get through the, the process. Well, here we are 30 years later and still doing the same stuff. It's uh, It's been a long and interesting road, but it's been a lot of fun. And, and the practice, uh, Andy, is just devoted solely to uh, helping colleges and universities navigate the waters of the NCAA manual, uh, NCAA bylaws, and uh, the practice of trying to help those schools work through any NCAA rules problems that they might have. It, it's interesting. Um, it, over the years, we started out with representing schools only in infractions matters. And then uh, as schools became interested in more compliance uh, areas, we tried to help them structure a compliance system on their campuses. And it, during those years, we also tried to help schools as they moved from division to division, sometimes up, sometimes down, uh, division one, division two, and division three is what the NCA has. And now our practice um, includes all of those uh, functions, all of those uh, areas, but we're also looking at uh, NIL, the name, image, and likeness issue that uh, came out of the Alston case um, several years ago now. Uh, where institutions are permitted to allow uh, are permitted to have student athletes that earn money off of their name, image, and likeness uh, to compete for them. So that's kind of where that's kind of where we're at. Uh, NCA rules and regulations, and uh, trying to help colleges and universities through those uh, sometimes treacherous waters. Well, that's a great explanation. I think it'll it'll help a lot of people who who may not be familiar with. Uh, this part of our firm and, and your practice. Uh, and again, with uh, so many of our uh, higher education clients here in New York, you're not only using us for 
what I would say are some of the more routine types of transactional labor employment intellectual property issues it's just tremendous to have such a resource like you and your team uh, in our Overland Park office to help with those compliance issues uh, that come up in the course of athletics which you know are just fascinating and and for our listeners uh, Rick is uh, being humble uh, and uh, I should tell you uh, you know Rick and his group are uh, nationally known you will see them quoted uh, in leading periodicals newspapers when emergent issues arise and and we won't go through them here uh, but uh, you'll start noticing if you pay attention you'll start noticing like, like I did when I was an associate once upon a time here saying wow this is uh, incredibly impressive and uh, really a, a tremendous feather in, in Bond's cap so kudos to everyone on your end Rick I, I noticed some tremendous in interest on my part that you did mention the the name likeness and image uh, piece which for, for me as someone who practices in labor and employment law, I have some interest in this concept of athletes, student athletes as you know, employees, contractors, and you know, some form of remuneration being tied to the services that they render. Uh, and of course, it's, you know, it's, it's big money when you talk about these television contracts and other things that are at, at stake. But I'm, I'm interested. I mean, this struck me as just a, a tremendous shift in the, the ground. Uh, for colleges, for universities, certainly from the athletes' perspective, you know, we I drive around Syracuse now. I see athletes' pictures on on billboards here, and and I, I know uh, uh, institutions are um, through not themselves, but you know, through other uh, entities, uh, and these other entities are are looking for ways to support student athletes and to take advantage of this. What what what's your I guess, high elevation kind of thoughts on this issue. And then what are the things that our clients in the higher education realm uh, sh should have on the top of their desk right now when it comes to name likeness and image? You know, Andy, the, the amateurism aspect of college athletics has been with us since the beginning of the NCAA. The NCAA was formed back in 1906. And a part of the uh, basis for even having, and, and and frankly, it was it was started because uh, the president at that time, Teddy Roosevelt, found and saw that there were problems because people were competing for colleges and universities in sports when they weren't even enrolled. They were out professional, different areas, and and. Uh, what they were trying to do was was organize and centralize a standard set of rules and regulations for college athletics. That has emerged all the way from the early 1900s through um, the mid 1900s, when they determined that they were going to create the NCAA structure a little more formally, and they started the NCAA uh, an office here in in Kansas. Well, all of a sudden, television came and it began to blossom all through the United States and, and the world. But the problem within college athletics was that the students were still participating and the institutions were earning money. And the institutions started to earn a lot of money when the TV contracts became so big that in the 80s, they had a, a lawsuit from two of the institutions uh, actually, on behalf of many institutions, but two of them led the way, University of Georgia and University of Oklahoma. And out of that came uh, the negotiation of rights was now determined to be independent to each institution as to television. 
And it was in football only at that point. But that really was the starting point for the ball that rolled all the way into the 2000s. And then in 2020, um, the Alston case uh, was was decided by the Supreme Court of the United States. And they said, look, student athletes are no different than any other student. They should be able to earn money off of their name, image and likeness. And that's it. The NCAA understood that. the, The schools understood that. And so what we have now is individuals who are, quote unquote, professionals in the sense that they can earn money for their name, image and likeness. They still can't get paid for playing. So you can't have a contract between the college and the student athlete to play at that school. You still have a scholarship system. They can't be paid for performance, which means that when they perform, if they score five touchdowns in a football game, you can't give them extra money because of that performance. And you still can't recruit and pay the student athletes to come to your institution. So there are still guidelines and restrictions um, that stand and, and kind of form the circle in which NIL can operate. State laws exist that have tried to uh, help the student athletes with the name, image, and likeness regulations. Those, uh, it's been a funny road. Uh, a lot of the states began to draft legislation. They adopted the legislation. And then when they saw that their particular state might be at a disadvantage with other states, they decided to rescind their state laws. So state law does impact uh, the current status of, of name, image, and likeness. And all of it is, is, uh, is it's in its very, very embryonic stages of trying to figure out how this is all going to work out. But there are, there are guidelines. There are still regulations. For practitioners out there, for individuals or institutions and clients, what you need to be careful of is the fact that you have outside forces or outside entities, companies, individuals in some cases, who want to get the best athletes to their alma mater. And of course, that results in involvement of boosters into the recruiting process. And that's where right now we are seeing the majority of the potential problems that colleges and universities face. It's in the recruiting aspects of landing the best student athlete for your particular institution with the highest uh, NIL deal. So that's kind of where it sits right now. And every day is a different day and we're getting new stories and new situations and we're trying to educate our clients as best we can. Well, and, and they're fortunate to have, to have such a knowledgeable group to be able to do so. And what what just from a legal standpoint is just fascinating. I mean, watching this concept emerge and blossom. And uh, as you know, uh, our, our clients are compliance minded. They want to do the right thing. But you know, this is so new and heading in uh, with such pace uh, and with so much change. Uh, it's it's great again to have uh, you and your practice group as a resource for them. Andy, so, I'll add I'll add a little anecdote real quickly because I think this is important. If if many of our listeners are potential clients or are already clients, we have been involved recently with the review of some of the agreements that student athletes have with outside entities, and what we have found is that some of those agreements have violated 
the current NCAA guidelines and standards for NIL. In light of the fact that the contracts are just beginning because their student athletes are coming back to school, we've been able to amend some of those agreements. And so institutions have a greater sense of comfort with the agreements that exist with their student athletes. So, you know, the timing of some of the activity in NIL is extremely important. And um, as I mentioned, we've, we've been able to help some of those institutions with current agreements that some of their student athletes have. And it's been uh, it's been comforting for them. Well, that's great. Yeah. And, and more to come, I'm sure, uh, on that in the months, weeks and probably years ahead, too. Yeah. So, Rick. Thank you for joining us. I think this was very helpful and I think will be interesting for our listeners out there. For those of you listening, Rick's contact information is available on our website at bsk.com. So Bon Shannon King, bsk.com. Rick, maybe we'll have you back next time I guest host. Uh, we can cover some of this stuff too, but we'll we'll get into some of the summer fun topics as well. How's that sound? Andy, thanks a lot. It's great to be with you and uh, good luck. All right. Likewise, sir. Take care. Thank you. Bond, Shenick, and King has prepared this communication to present only general information. This is not intended as legal advice, nor should you consider it as such. You should not act or decline to act based upon the contents. While we try to make sure that the information is complete and accurate, laws can change quickly. You should always formally engage a lawyer of your choosing before taking actions which have legal consequences. For information about our communication, firm, practice areas, and attorneys, visit our website, bsk.com. This is Attorney Advertising.